Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, Narsing Dixit, and he comes to us with a background in business and, and marketing, and we thought we'd have a conversation uh, on his career path and, and, and get into how he got uh, to his current role from where he was as a kid. So uh, Narsing, why don't you start off a little bit with what you're doing now, and then we'll ask you about what you were like as a kid. So what are you up to these days? Absolutely, Loki. Thanks a lot for having me on this podcast. Um, yeah, cr- currently I'm, I'm working at Unilever as a digital growth manager and I'm focused on growing our uh, PRM efforts strictly focusing on first party data acquisition. Um, So it's really in terms of maximizing our consumer growth to be able to leverage that for any, um, you know, digital marketing purposes. Um, And yeah, so, you know, I recently joined Unilever. I was previously actually in a real estate firm. So it's been an interesting sort of switch over from an industry point of view, but I've been loving it so far. It's a great company culture and uh, you know they have a lot of interesting and aggressive things lined up for years to come cool so let's go back in time and get to what was narsing like as a kid what were some like the earliest fond memories that you might have and uh yeah let's let's walk through the journey of, of how you got from there to, to to here so what were you like as a kid yeah um that, that's a good question you know looking back um i would say there's probably a couple of traits that have kind of stuck around, uh, st- stuck along with me. And probably the one that comes to mind the most is being a bit of a rebel. Okay. Um, I think that's a personality trait that, uh, you know, stuck with me when I was early on. Um, so I grew up in Bombay um, in India for the first little chunk of my life. And then at around nine years old, I moved to boarding school, um, which was also a very um, um, enriching experience overall. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I would say in, in both of those scenarios, I think that trade definitely stuck around. And I think, you know, looking back and e- even now today, that's been one of the things that has really allowed me to challenge the status quo. Uh, you know, I always look at rules as something to be played around with to some extent <laughs> to really see how far you can push the envelope. And, um, you know, looking back at it now, I do think it's also one of the things that allows you to think critically because, until you start questioning the parameters around you, you're not really able to unlock a deeper level of critical thinking. So it's kind of interesting now Now that you asked that question, I'm kind of bridging the piece in my head in terms of how it's kind of helped me today. Cool. And uh, obviously, boarding school and, and rebel, uh, well, I mean, you might think they go together, maybe not. <laughs> could, yeah. could, could you walk us through maybe an example of, of when that came um, and then kind of showed its the rebelliousness uh, through, throughout the years? Like, do you have a story that you could share, hopefully a legal one? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, what was interesting about my boarding school, um, you know, it's, it's uh, called Kadaikanal International School. It's a pretty well, well-renowned IB school in, in India. And um, when, I was gr- when, when I was growing up there, because really, um, you know, I joined that school in fifth grade all the way up until 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you would imagine, boarding schools are meant to partially discipline you, kind of teach <laughs> you how to be more independent, et cetera. And I think for the most part, it, it definitely did that. But I think, you know, being a little bit rebellious, you know, in terms of 
questioning the rules, questioning why things are done. You know, one story that comes to mind was actually um, in fifth grade, uh, I remember talking to my dorm parent at that time about um, why was it that we were, um, you know, in elementary school, we were kind of, um, it was mandatory for us to go to church every Sunday and, you know, right. go to Sunday school, et cetera. And I remember, at, at, you know, now at a very young age, um, you know, we had a dialogue around, you know, why was it mandatory? You know, we talked a lot about religion at that time, because obviously, you know, even though it was a Christian based school, um, we had people from all cultures, from people from all around the world, all different backgrounds and faiths. And, you know, I think that was a very important lesson for me because it allowed me to know that it's okay to ask questions. Um, it's okay to be curious. It's okay to really, um, you know, challenge things that don't align with your personal beliefs. And, you know, I, I mean, this is a, just a, one small example in terms of how, you know, even when I was relatively young, I was challenging things that normal kids would not worry about. Um, you know, it's just, oh, well, it's Sunday. This is what we normally do. Um, but, you know, that's more on the uh, on the PG side of things. Obviously, there were things that, um, <laughs> you know, almost led me out of the school a couple of times, especially when <laughs> I was younger. But, uh, you know, in, in, you know, in retrospect, I think, you know, boarding school is definitely something that teaches you a lot about being independent, uh, leaning on your friends as family, um, learning how to think on your uh, on your own two feet. And, right. um, you know, really, really, well, in my scenario, at least, it really opened me up to the world because it was an international school. So, um, you know, I learned a lot about different cultures when I was very young. Um, and and I, I think that has really helped me be more of a global citizen, so to speak, and, you know, being able to talk to anyone from around the world. Cool. And uh, you, you ended up in a degree in, in, in business, right? So, so what right. were some of the, the influences uh, along the way? And, and we'll probably park the, the, the rebelliousness discussions and maybe the religious <laughs> discussions for another conversation. But uh, what were some of the influences along the way that kind of led you to your route in, on the business side? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in terms of business, it all kind of started, um, I would say, in high school when I when I'd first been exposed to business and management as a course okay. um, for the IB program. I think I really started getting fond of uh, just the concept of, you know, being able to run a business, everything that it stands for, the ability to um, you know, do it by yourself or, you know, work for an organization. It's really, you know, a, a fundamental part of the way the world works and the way money moves. So I think the concept in and of itself was very powerful. And um, along with that, another course that I was really fond of was economics. Um, and primarily at the time, I was very fond of macroeconomics. And again, this was more about big picture thinking about how a country works, you know, what are the different policies that can be put into play. And I think obviously that goes hand in hand, because you need to have a strong economic background to be able to uh, be successful in the business. And, um, you know, so going into university, I knew I wanted to be in the business sphere. Um, and so it originally started off uh, with, a, with, with a specialist in economics. Um, and after kind of learning un university level economics, I realized that it was not really the path I would want to live, uh, you know, for the rest of my life. And, okay. you know, partially it was, you know, very um, focused on, you know, a, a lot of policies, I couldn't really see what the long-term future would look like from a career standpoint. So that's really when marketing kind of came into play. And 
um, you know, that's after first year is when I made that switch permanently. And what was that kind of initial foray into marketing? So was it a course that you took? Was it some experience that you had? Or, or how, how did the uh, start into marketing come about? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really come full circle now that I'm now that I'm in the CPG space. But, you know, to give you to give you um, the, the inception of that idea, it actually came in my first year course that I did in marketing. Um, I remember uh, my professor at the time, he asked a question in class. Uh, about shaving brands um, and he had asked you know how many shaving brands can you guys you know come up with right now mm. and you know I think I think there were up to three but really the only one that was constantly being talked about was Gillette mm-hmm. and he basically used that example to talk about the power of branding the power of good marketing and, and, and branding in and of itself and how you can really you know, create a category leader so strong that other competition is almost irrelevant. Obviously, now there's more competition. You know, this was, uh, you know, a fairly long time ago, but, you know, we do have more brands in that category, like the Dollar Shave Club, which kind of blew up, um, um, you know, in around 10 years ago. And so I think that story was very powerful to me to really consider marketing. And then as I learned more about marketing in terms of the fundamentals. Um, and, you know, so you could think of this as the four Ps or you could think of it as more holistically in terms of all the functions that it plays. I started to realize that, you know, obviously, as we all do, we have a stereotype about what a role is. Traditionally, people think of marketing as advertising, but, sure. you know, as many people might know, that's just one small aspect of marketing. Um, and so I think once I realized the breadth of what marketing was really doing from product decisions to pricing decisions to um, obviously, you know, advertising promotions, and then obviously the birth of digital was kind of around my early university career. Um, I think there was a lot of cool stuff happening. So that really kind of finalized my decision into, into switching there. Cool. And, and was there any kind of uh, parental support or obstacles throughout this uh, process or anything around you from a familiar perspective or even friends that kind of guided you or, or stopped you <laughs> in, in yeah. the decision process? Yeah, you know, I think one thing that's been, uh, one thing that my family has always questioned me about is my interest in, in business. So, mm. you know, traditionally, um, um, you know, m- my family does not come from a, from a business background. And, mm. um, you know, because of that, when early on in high school, when I expressed my interest to kind of go into that, that sphere, um, they'd kind of asked whether, you know, that, that would be the correct path for me. But I think that passion was always there. And, and so therefore, they were, they were supportive of it. Um, similarly, going into business and marketing, uh, you know, there was sort of that question, like, is marketing the right career decision? You know, and, and the reality of it is, you know, at least at the time, marketing was, uh, you know, you could end up with, Uh, a really good job, or you can end up with an okay job to kind of start off your marketing career. It's not as predictable as other disciplines. Um, And so, you know, I was willing to take that risk because, you know, at the end of the day, I really thought that it was a pretty, pretty um, interesting, you know, category for me uh, from a development perspective. Um, And yeah, from a friend standpoint, you know, uh, because I was in UFD and the Scarborough campus, I think 90 9% of my friends were in accounting or finance. (laughs) So it was definitely, you know, I was definitely the, the, the outcast in that sense in terms of going into um, a field that was not 
what the majority wanted to do. And again, you know, looking back, <clears throat> if I if I had the opportunity to kind of switch streams, I think I'm I'm still pretty happy with the decision I made. I I definitely now that I have my friends, you know, who are CPAs and you know CFAs, etc. Um, I, I definitely don't see myself enjoying the career or, or the roles that they're doing. But you know, it's great to have them in my network because it really allows me to have a holistic understanding of you know all aspects of the business. Cool. And, and if we take a bit of time to just kind of walk through that kind of familial discussion, because I know a lot of folks have to deal with, well, mom and dad or family wants you or expects right. you to do one thing, and then you have uh, an interest or passion in something else. Like, how, how do those uh, kind of true up? And, and what was like the conversations like? How, how did you make that decision? How did you uh, talk to them in regards to uh, making your decision? If you don't yeah. mind elaborating a little bit on that. Uh, absolutely. You know, I'm um, coming from uh, an Asian background, you know, really most of Asia for that matter. Um, there is sort of a predetermined life set out for you. Um, you know, typical conversations about going into lucrative um, um, niche careers like a doctor, engineer, yeah. etc. Um, and, you know, I, I would say my family was no different in that sense where, um, you know, that was the initial push that they were hoping for. Um, but I think and this, again, kind of goes back to that rebellious theme. I think th there was a certain point after which my family realized that my passions would outweigh um, any of their ideas. Um, and, and I think this, this happened through a series of conversations, right? It wasn't a one big uh, dramatic um, conversation that took place. But I think over the course of the years, um, you know, after them trying to push me in certain career paths, for example, medicine, um, and, you know, still to this day, I get remarks that, oh, you know, Narsing, you, you would have been a great doctor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so unfortunately, you didn't choose that path. But, uh, you know, so there's, there, there's still a little bit of fun and games uh, in, in that regard. But I think it was really just a matter of understanding what it is that you think would be best for you in the long term and sticking mm -hmm. to that. Because, you know, when you think about it, um, you know, this is more of a parental bias and this kind of comes a little bit because of this, the studies that I did in psychology. Um, a lot of these come from projections of what parents could and couldn't do. And, you know, mm. part of it is them wanting the best for their kids, but it's also because it's something that they weren't able to achieve or something that they think is the, 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 the right thing to do based on what, what, you know, the, the current, societal forces are, are telling them it right. to be. And, you know, I, I think personally, um, you know, getting a little bit uh, into the deeper side of things, uh, it, it's very important to kind of be happy with the decisions that you make. And those mm -hmm. decisions should be for yourself, not for anybody else, regardless of how important they might be. Because, you know, once, once the, once the story's ending, um, you know, you're going to look back at the decisions you made. And if they were all for other people, you're probably not going to be happy about it so i think i think it's super critical to kind of make decisions for for yourself and your expected benefit because then you're also able to sleep with it better for sure yeah and understanding that the decisions that you make have consequences like i mean consequences not necessarily in a bad way but sometimes in, mm -hmm. in a good way but understanding that if, if your parents want you to go one direction and you want to go to a different direction 
oftentimes the conversation with, with mom and dad is just that, you know what, I have a clear path and understanding on, on how right. to get where I want to go, even though you have a different view, because I mean, doctor engineering, all that stuff is, is safe. Everyone knows what will happen. But then this other like marketing or any of these new and upcoming fields that, that mom and dad have, and even some of us have no understanding of, then mm-hmm. it's, it's really having that, that comfort to say, you know what, my, my child, my, my son, my daughter will be independent and self-sustaining and then they won't have to live with me for the entire life <laughs> that sort of thing. And, and not be able exactly. to take care of themselves most <laughs> parents just want you to be happy and independent and be able to exactly. uh, kind of function in society that sort of thing right so um but but understanding that yeah you, you don't want to necessarily piss off mom and dad <laughs> right? exactly yeah no but it's it's go go ahead no go ahead uh no i, I was just gonna say it, it's really important to kind of uh, you know, help them understand why it is you're deciding to not take their advice or their recommendation. And, and like you said, as long as you have a clear plan and um, um, a passion behind it, uh, it's, it's difficult for any parent to really say no. Yeah. And, and it's also um, being able to kind of uh, come back and say, you know what, mom and dad, you were right, because sometimes your assumptions are wrong. <laughs> you have right. to go back and, and again, maybe it's not going uh, to, to their particular path. Uh, but it's it's coming up with um, like and being able to address some of their, their concerns that they have. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that, that that's a good conversation. Maybe we can delve a little bit deeper in, in a future episode. But um, now that we kind of go back and, and say, okay, you're you're in university, you pick marketing, and 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 you're approaching kind of graduation. What was that journey like, and and, and how do we get from there to to, to Unilever? Yeah, well, oh, that's a that's a pretty long winded journey. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, when, when I was at UFT, I was part of the co-op program and, and you know, so I started off my career in, in big tech um, at, at Microsoft. Um, and, you know, it was one of those critical decisions that I had to make um, going into the end of my university career in terms of where I wanted to go next. Because obviously, you know, having a company like Microsoft on your resume makes it a little bit easier for you to really go wherever you want. Right. Um, and, and that being said, I think for me, it was important to figure out whether I wanted to go back into big corporate, try something else, or, you know, maybe even start something up for my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd actually experimented in the last year of university. I'd actually started up an agency um, with a couple of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were able to secure a couple of clients and we did a few projects, but we weren't really sure in terms of how to scale it. So that project kind of dissolved closer to my graduation, but it was still, it was still a pretty fun thing, thing to try. But, you know, after university, I think the the decision I made was to actually go into a small business. And part of that came from really trying to get an understanding of what different business models, different business sizes looked like, how they behaved, how they operated. Um, And, and so what I thought was, it would be interesting for me to really um, become a student uh, by exposing myself, A, to multiple different industries, and B, exposing myself to different work sizes, and try to solve problems at all levels. So after graduation, I kind of went into a small business, you know, it was an agency, 15 to 20 people, um, you know, really expanded my horizon in terms of what it means to do business development. How do you grow your client base? How do you hire and fire people? How do you 
deal with operational problems. You know, probably one of the best and most important um, um, forms of education that I could have gotten. Um, and then I kind of, you know, moved into um, three other industries after um, in terms of, uh, you know, a little bit bigger org sizes. Um, I, I even worked for a startup for, you know, where there were three to five people um, in the healthcare tech space. And then finally, my last role was actually in, in, in a real estate firm that was growing rapidly, um, you know, and still are across the U.S. and, and Canada, um, you know, much bigger org size, you know, much, much more defined uh, before I finally kind of decided to come back into, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the bigger corporate environment. Walk us through a little bit about kind of that decision, because there's always a uh, discussion on whether oh, should I work at at a big company where like mm -hmm. the brand helps kind of sell me out to the uh, to the working world versus you know what I want to go small so that I can basically do anything and everything. So um, right. it, it seems like that you were able to get the most best of both worlds, and I encourage folks to actually sample both, right? So right. whether you go small and then big or big and then small, it's really a decision that that, that that's up to you. Um, but but I encourage you to um, explore both realms. And if you can talk to us a little bit about kind of your experience in terms of like the differences between big versus small, what, what you like, what you didn't like. And, and obviously it's not necessarily just big versus small, but there are individual variances in the companies, uh, but just mm. in, in generalities, what, what would you say to folks that are looking for that, that big company experience or the folks that are looking for the small, tiny company experience? Um, what sort of advice and guidance would you have around those two? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, starting off with the decision itself, you know, it was extremely difficult. Uh, you know, I, I, I might have made it sound like a pretty straightforward decision for me, but, uh, you know, there's that struggle to kind of let go of what you know is comfortable, predictable, you know, to go into a completely unknown dark area um, right after graduation was pretty uh, difficult for me. Uh, but, you know, I think I had a good hypothesis and luckily that that prediction worked out in terms of what I was hoping to get out of this, this career path. Um, and, you know, to kind of speak to some of the differences between big versus small versus midsize, um, I think a lot of it has to do with impact. Mm. Um, a lot of it has to do with your exposure and transparency to other functions in the business. So, you know, when I was in it, when I, when I was in a startup, for example, where we had, you know, just a few people, um, and, and, you know, lots of other like external agencies, et cetera, sort of helping other aspects of the business, I pretty much knew everything about the business from the rep, like, you know, the top line, bottom line, the financials, um, who we were hiring next, you know, I was involved in the hiring process from the beginning. Um, it's a very different, um, you know, environment than, you know, a corporate where most of the stuff is already done for you and you're kind of focusing on very particular areas. So you're really, you know, the master of your craft and you're kind of doubling down on making sure you're excelling in that, in that craft. Not to say that a big business does not allow you to explore, you know, obviously if you have other interests and passions, you know, it's relatively easy actually to, to move within the business because at the end of the day, longevity to a business means more than anything else. So especially in today's era where people are, you know, jumping around at, at the drop of a hat, it's important for businesses to retain employees. Right. Um, and if that means exposing them to different functional expertise, then, you know, they're obviously willing to do that. But, you know, just kind of wrapping up in terms of those key differences, um, 
there's probably, um, you know, un until you become relatively bigger in your role in a corporate uh, environment, um, I, I think it's very hard to compare the impact that you can have in a small business. You know, to give you an example, for me to grow um, my lead base, uh, you know, in triple digits year over year is something that is relatively a lot easier for me to do in a small business. Sure. Less rules, less process, less operational restrictions. You can really just run with it. Um, and you know, whereas there's a lot more rules and regulations in terms of how to be, be able to execute on a very similar task in, in, in a bigger organization. So um, I, I think that impact component is always going to be part of the conversation and, and also just having less restrictions, which allows you to do more. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I chalk that up to, I guess, a personal decision in terms of like, what do you have in terms of a preference, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes you, you want that uh, impact and, and you want to know that you're making a difference because to, to grow something um, like, like triple triple digits every, every uh, quarter, year or whatever, you can definitely do that in a small, but I mean, to, to do that in something like Unilever, <laughs> that would be just a ridiculous <laughs> number that, that you would have to, to, to post out, right? Um, exactly. So it depends on that. And, and then the other thing is that it can also uh, change over time, right? So it might be early in your career where you want that flexibility and that exposure exactly. to uh, a whole bunch of different things. And then later on, you want to settle down and then you get bored and then go back, right? So it doesn't have to be a decision exactly. one way or the other. It could be a, a change, and hopefully it's not a change like at the drop of a hat, <laughs> as you mentioned. <laughs> but there's a little bit more uh, uh, discussion and, and some thought behind it. But but I think that's a lot of uh, great exposure. But I'd love to go back and, and talk to uh, about some of the swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. If you could go back um, and talk to uh, young Narsing in, in various points of his career, what, what's what's some of the advice that you would share for yourself? Yeah, um, let me let me think about that. Well. I do think that in order to kind of, you know, making some of these decisions, you know, we, we, we sometimes overthink things that are relatively simple. Mm -hmm. and, and what I mean by that is, you know, I wish when I was younger or, or even, you know, some days today, um, you know, I, I remind myself, nobody really knows what they're doing. <laughs> yep. You know, everyone is kind of figuring it out as they go. Um, and, and, you know, having that level of perspective helps you feel more comfortable in your own shoes. There is no right path. You can study, right. you know, the biggest, uh, you know, entrepreneurs in the last 100 years and everyone's path was different. There are some commonalities, uh, but, you know, it's relatively unique. Luck is always a big part of it. Network is a part of it. So, you know, there's, there's certainly no path that, you know, if, if I could ride for you. Um, you know, you could become the next Elon Musk because, uh, you know, that doesn't exist. And so what that means is, you know, I, I wish when I, when I was younger, someone would have told me early on that, hey, you know, be more comfortable in terms of what you're doing. Um, you know, things will fall into place um, as long as you have your fundamentals right. You know, um, the, the way I think about it is um, it's much more important to build your character than for you to do the right things. You have a good character, the right things will happen for you. Um, so, you know, focus on, you know, defining yourself as a person, what you like, what you don't like. And then really, uh, you know, I'm a strong believer in the world is always conspiring to help you if you, if you let it. Right. 
yeah, I think those are definitely uh, good words of wisdom where, yeah, it, it's it, most people don't know what they're doing. And, and the other ones that do pretend to are probably just fronting it. Right? <laughs> exactly. Trying to make it seem, putting on, on a brave face to do that. But some people uh, have a confidence where they, they feel that they know. Um, and other people have to learn that along the way. So uh, I like what you said about like there, there is really no right path. And, and, and what I would add to that is it's the path is really as right as you decide to make it right? Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you can always uh, second guess your decisions, right? And then mm -hmm. that is a path to a lot of anxiety and stress. Or you can say, you know what, I made this decision. So how do I make this the best decision that, that I could possibly right. have, right? And then grow and then you might choose to, to do something different and go back to the path that you had before. But you hopefully learned a lot uh, along the way. And I think that, that leads to your second point about kind of building yourself and your character where I think one of the best investments that you can make is in you, right? So mm -hmm. uh, that is the thing where I mean, you could invest it in some sort of marketing Bitcoin NFT or whatever, and it could go, <laughs> it could go to zero tomorrow. But if you are always investing in yourself, then you, know, you are hopefully better than you were yesterday. And then the compound interest of that kind of continues there. And then again, it goes back to um, uh, making sense of, of that decision and what you built. And then now what can I do with kind of these, these characteristics, these, these habits, these new mindsets or whatever it is that you built in yourself and, and continue to grow. So uh, I think that's a lot of great and useful advice in our thing. And if you can share some of your, your future aspirations and then maybe uh, where can folks connect with you if, if they want to learn more about you. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess in terms of connecting with me, you know, LinkedIn, probably the easiest um, platform to, to, to find me and connect. Um, in terms of future aspirations, you know, I'm still continuing down the journey of, um, you know, really becoming a well-rounded marketer. So, you know, I think Unilever is probably one of the best places you can be. Uh, you know, they've really, uh, you know, over-engineered, I would say, marketing and what it stands today from, from a global scale. Um, and, you know, thinking way ahead, um, you know, unless, unless, you know, uh, things kind of evolve in, in a different direction, you know, at some point in my career, I would probably want to um, go back to entrepreneurship to right. really try that space out and see what it's like to be fully accountable for everything um, in terms of what that organization can do. Uh, but, you know, I think that calling is going to come, um, you know, at, at some point. And so, I would say that's probably some somewhere um, uh, down my career path. And um, one thing that probably not a lot of people know, but since we're talking about it, is I have thought about teaching. You know, ever since uh, I was in university, so I would okay. hope to kind of teach. Uh, you know, at a at some capacity, whether you know that's in front of a college audience or or even university at some point in my career. Sounds good. Sounds like a, a lot of things to look forward to and, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you and, and get some updates on that. But uh, thanks so much, Narsim, for sharing your journey and uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Absolutely. I'm more than happy to be back. Thanks again for, thanks again for having me, Luki. Hopefully uh, some of these uh, topics we discussed uh, do end up helping uh, the right people. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.